Hi everybody, and this is another Beef and Lamb New Zealand Seen and Heard podcast. It's another break feed, and it's another one I'm recording at the ladies' long lunch in Gore, where our extension manager down here, Olivia Ross, is having a Sauvignon Blanc, I noticed, at lunchtime, but it's been a pretty hectic day. There's 180 women, and me, this old man in the room, so um, it's been going extremely well. So we've pulled aside another one of our key speakers, Loshni Manakam, who's speaking after lunch, um, Loshni, you were the Fonterra Dairy Woman of the Year in 2018. Here you go, I'm going to put you on the spot. Why? Because the judges chose me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's a good question. And, you know, when you have a bit of a healthy self-doubt, yeah. it is one that I've asked myself as well, especially because of the two other phenomenal women that were nominated mm. alongside me. Um, I, I mean, I have asked the judges. Yep. Partly, obviously, it's the work I've done in the industry, especially around empowering people mm-hmm. and coaching people and facilitating to people. But I think what the judges said was that they saw that I had vision and that they believed mm. that I would have the ability to try and carry out their vision. I didn't want to put you on the spot, but I knew your topic, and we're going to talk about it in the moment, is how to break out of the guilt cycle and why we feel so guilty when you think of doing something for yourself. And I wondered, mm. just talking about yourself, you've won a big award... Yeah. How you handled. So, sorry, I wasn't to put you on the spot, but I was just interested. Um, so, look, how do you end up where you are now? You, not originally a dairy farmer and not originally from New Zealand, but yeah. tell us about the journey to this point. So, I suppose it is that cliched journey of, yep. you know, marrying a farmer, marrying a New Zealand yep. farmer. But originally, I am from South Africa. Mm-hmm. I grew up there, uh, went to uni, and then like a lot of uni students, I was going to have a year off and go yep. backpacking around the world. And uh, that's when, I'm, I, when I was in England, I met this lovely Kiwi boy from yep. Northland mm-hmm. um, who promised me that New Zealand was the land of milk and honey. And you know when you're young and you're naive and you're in love <laughs> <laughs> and you believe anything? And so, yeah. You're still together. Still together. Oh, tw- right. <laughs> yeah, 20 years later, three kids yep. um, and now farming down in Southland. So, yeah, literally it was because of marriage yep. that I've ended up on a farm in New Zealand. And I think there's a lot of women like that mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, wasn't the intended. Did you ever envisage yourself living where you are and in, on a dairy farm? No, because I'd studied law. Yeah. I was going to go into my father's law business. Yeah. My future was, you know, um, pretty well laid out, I mm-hmm. thought. So, yeah, it was a real curveball, but, you know, one that I'm so grateful for. I love it. I love living in rural New Zealand, and I love living on a farm. Um, I love communities, you know, rural yeah. communities. Yeah. I think they're pretty special. Yeah. No, it's interesting... I'm, this isn't about me, but I, I lived in Gore for four years, and coming back here, it just yeah, it's like I've never been away. Just I see people that I knew when I was here, and they're very yeah, welcoming, aren't very. they? Very, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, did you practice as a lawyer, or you just graduated? Did you actually work as a lawyer at all? So, my dirty secret is that all I am is a you know um, a graduate, a law graduate. Mm-hmm. But yep. uh, I mean, I did because my father was a lawyer. Every uni on holidays, yep. I was working in there, and I did a year of. Um, you know, working for him while I did my bar mm-hmm. exams because you had to do your practicals as well. So, but that's a bit, basically I'm a glorified law graduate. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but you're also um, let's get on to the topic you're going to be talking about today. So it's around. Well, actually, you tell me in your words what are you talking about today? So Olivia has asked me to talk a bit about my life, my journey, mm-hmm. but mostly around why do we, especially as the woman, mm-hmm. why do we feel so guilty? when we think about doing something for ourselves, Mm -hmm. whether it's something small like I want to start doing yoga, or whether it's something huge like I want to retrain and go back out into the world, now that my kids are getting older or my farm doesn't Mm -hmm. need me as much, why is it that we allow guilt to stop us? Why do we feel so much guilt? 
So hopefully in the short while I've got with these ladies, yep. I can sow some seeds and create some awareness around that. All right. So we're not going to steal your thunder because by the time this goes live, you'll have already spoken to this group here. And, and But it's to give people a bit of a sense of what you're talking about. And maybe if you're speaking again to get them along and in the door to hear. But if, if give me the three or four, what is in a nutshell, what is, are you going to tell them about why women especially feel that way? I'm going to talk about um, beliefs, subconscious mm-hmm. beliefs that we have that start when we're little girls. Mm-hmm. And when you listen to any fairy tale, what happens to Cinderella at the end? She gets married to the prince and she lives happily ever after. Yep. So we've started that at childhood. It gets reinforced throughout our lives. Society has expectations mm-hmm. of what a woman or a mum or a wife or a mm-hmm. partner is. So we get a lot yep. of that reinforced. And I don't think we have an awareness that we are living our lives according to beliefs Mm. That may or may not serve us. Yep. So, with your, do you think it's worse in New Zealand? For New Zealand, New Zealanders tend to have a, I don't know. Um, um, there's that cultural cringe. There's that tall poppy type syndrome here. Is it worse here, or is that just that's what we see? And we think it's worse here because we only know our own country. That's such a good question. It's so interesting, and we'll never know the answer. Right? Yeah. And I've lived here twenty years now, so you know it's very hard for me to be completely objective as mm-hmm. well. But I. My sense of it, you know, without any scientific research, is that it is quite hard here, the tall poppy syndrome. Mm. I I do feel like New Zealanders seem to have more of that than elsewhere. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's just, it's funny, um, when I'm recording this, New Zealand's just lost a cricket game overnight that expected to win, and I was just looking on social media, and people are absolutely tearing them apart, and they've lost one game out of seven or eight, and I thought... I was thinking about what I was going to be talking with you about, and I thought, I wonder if it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a national psyche type thing in terms of some of what you're talking about. So, so I'll tell you when I uh, last year, as part of the Dairy One of the mm-hmm. Year scholarship, I got to go to San Francisco for a five day conference. Um, very American, you know, 950 people in a room. Yeah. Every morning you had to hug five people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> completely not the New Zealand Are you culture. Do that? <laughs> yeah. After that, oh, yeah, good, sh- don't tell them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so completely out of the normal New Zealand yeah. culture. And what I found there, mingling with Americans mostly, mm-hmm. was that they didn't seem to have as much of their tall poppy syndrome. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it was the environment I was in, or the context and the people, but there were people there that would think, you know, would say like, oh, I want to write a book, mm-hmm. or I want to do this, I'll start a podcast, I want to do this. And it might take them, I don't know, eight or ten months or a year to do it, and they'd go through the normal ups and downs, but they would do it. Mm-hmm versus here in New Zealand, I think people talk about it and think about it for about 18 years mm, before yeah. they work up the self-belief and the courage to try something. So is that what you do day to day now? You do some leadership coaching and actually talk through people one-on-one or groups or, or what do you, is that what you do now? You actually try and help people get over that? I'm sort of transitioning. So yep. the last five years has been a lot of yeah, um, facilitation of programs. Mm-hmm. So women you know, in leadership programs, um, all different sorts of programs mm-hmm. as well as I have my own business called Iceberg Coaching and mm-hmm. I do one-on-one coaching with them yep. but most of the things I've been doing in the last five years has probably led to what I'm doing mm-hmm. now which is Thriving Farming Women um, you know make sure you go to the Facebook page and like it please <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll put a link to that in the blurb there we go excellent yeah. <laughs> um, doing yeah, Thriving Farming Women really focused now taking mm-hmm. all the experiences I've had yep. and the skills I've got um to try and help farming women start to thrive again. Okay, so I don't think this will undercut what you're doing there, but to give a bit of a taste of what do you take people through or what do you work with them on to try and overcome that that reluctance or that, that guilt, that, that fear of change and doing things? So the key things where I think Thriving Farming Women plays is that 
big gap between women know that the way they're living mm-hmm. is not sustainable and probably got quite a few cracks in it. Mm-hmm. It's a bit unsustainable, the pressure we put ourselves under and, you know, yep. life. They also know what needs to be done mm-hmm. in order to start looking after their well-being. Yep. So much great information out there. Farm Strong, World Health Organization mm-hmm. can give you all that information. And yet we still have a gap between women that know that it's not a great yep. place and where they need to get to mm-hmm. and they're not getting there. So Thriving Farming Women exists to try to help yep. women identify and overcome those barriers that stop them from taking the action they know they need to take. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that? You run workshops or...? So at this stage, it's um, the the Facebook page. Mm -hmm. I do live workshops. Mm -hmm. Um, The aim of Thriving Farming Women is to get into online uh, online training Mm -hmm. uh, because it really excites me that the fact that we can hopefully, as long as we've got good broadband, which is, you know, fingers crossed, (laughs) um, if we've got that going, we can reach a lot of people that can't or won't come to all the amazing events and programs yeah. and workshops that we already have in our industry that are doing a great job mm. but there's always a percentage a yep. large percentage yep. of the population that either can't or won't come uh, really excited about online learning mm-hmm. you know the other day i heard a stat that 40 percent of the world is going to get a broadband in the next two or three years mm-hmm. online learning is uh you know like billions of dollar industry yep. because people want short sharp you know, very focused learning mm-hmm. rather than not everyone wants or needs, you know, a, a four-year degree. Yeah. So Perfect. really exciting. And that's where Thriving Farming Women aims to go. But it is the startup phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's very much about testing the content that I've got with live audiences, uh, yep. getting better at it, working up the courage and getting overcoming <laughs> self-doubt <laughs> to actually record videos yep. and put it out there. Uh, you know, so that, that might be six months into the future. But that's the aim. Yeah, no, that's good. Well, it's interesting. And we were talking before we started about why Beef and Lamb are doing podcasts. And broadly, it's the same reason. I mean, people are busy or they, mm. they don't want to go to events or, yeah, the event's not on the right place at the right time. And online stuff has just been the Ooh. way we mm. the way we do things nowadays. It we, is. Shop, we shop online, we communicate with family online. And it's hard to believe there was a time when we weren't all connected to the internet. Yeah, yeah, and constantly too. Yeah. So. Um, Okay, look, um, you're, I've actually I pulled you away. You've got a plate of lunch sitting on the table, <laughs> so we're going to wrap up. And I, I actually heard Olivia through the door. You may have even heard her on this recording because she was talking to 180 women, so she had to use her big voice inside. Um, but we're about to get started again, so we're going to wrap up. So, look, um, anything you want to talk about that we haven't talked about before we do a wrap-up? I think we've covered a fair bit. I think all we've right. covered it all, except maybe to say thanks so much, you know, to the sponsors, including Beef and Lamb, for creating this opportunity. I think these kind of events are fantastic to bring women together. So, I, you know, I just love it. All right. So call to action then. You've got a woman or somebody listening to this who likes what they've heard. What's the, the thing, the next thing they should do? Get head over to Thriving Farming Woman page and see if you really like what's on there. There's some free training available. Um, start thinking about yourself. Brilliant. That's the call to action. That's it. Yeah. Nice and neat. All right. Lashley Manicam, thank you very much. We'll put the link to that stuff in the bottom of the blurb. And uh, if you're interested, please follow up. Thank you very much. Thank you.